0: And this is The Road Taken. And with me is my wing woman, Louise Pelanker. How are you, Weezy? I'm well. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. I, I can't call you Weezy. I try to call you Weezy. It, it like feels wrong somehow. But it's so right. It's so, <laughs> Loving you is wrong. I don't want to be right. Um, so we have a new sponsor tonight and I'm really excited. Excitement. Free stuff. It it, it it is free stuff and I'm excited for this stuff because I actually need to use this product. Okay, so... You know Heimlich. Heimlich maneuver, right? Yes. I haven't used it today. Okay. I don't really know how to do it officially. I I think I could probably... I I don't know. I could bang. You just yank on someone until they spit Yeah. I don't know if I could do this thing, but I could definitely do the shove on the back. I like the shove on the back. No. But anyway, Heimlich, did you know that Anson Williams is the nephew of Mr. Heimlich? If I knew that, then it was stored deep, deep, deep Deep. away. Well, Anson was with us... uh, but a couple times. But anyway, um, Anson is an inventor of his own. He oh. is he is a creator of things that yes. are good for the for the world. And he came up with this product called Alert Drops, mm-hmm. and this has been this little bottle has been saving lives like crazy. I posted about it a few days ago, a two. and friends of mine got on there and said that this saved their lives. What happens is if you're driving and you get drowsy. You put a drop of this on your tongue and it wakes you up and it's completely organic, no drugs. It's just made from lemon and What's stuff like that. It? It, I don't know. You, I can't see the ingredients. I'm too old. They're oh. too small. But it, I know it's mostly like lemon um, peel or something, but I know that it works and also I heard that flight attendants are using this on transcontinental flights because they'll say, okay, go sleep for an hour. But then they wake up and they're very, you know, they're, so they use Alert Drops. But it's more important for the pilot. We want the pilot to Mm -hmm. be using the Alert Drops. This is made of screaming babies. (laughs) So, but but no, it's really been saving lives. So anyway, Alert Drops, and you can find them at alertdrops.com. Also, so this isn't a good, I was having a good hair day yesterday. Today, I'm, I'm like, I don't know, I'm like frizzing out from the thing. But my hairdresser, Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon, mm-hmm. and when I say, does the name Ruby Begonia strike a? Does that? Do you remember that? From what? I don't know what it was from. I, I just remember, remember it from every week when you say it, Vicky. I know, but I don't remember what it was from. But it's from something. Does the name Ruby Begonia strike a familiar note? It was from something from like some show from the. 50s or something. We can Google that. We have to I have to Google it. But anyway, she's an incredible hairdresser. She's in Studio City. She's amazing. My hair usually looks much better than this. She's great. I think your hair looks beautiful, Vicky. Thank you. And she has these fabulous products. This is how you spell ruby begonia. Yeah, and she has fabulous products and you can get them at her salon or you can get them at friendsbeautysupply.com. Also fabulous. But our sponsor, who is the sponsor of the century, is Rick Smolke. Rick Smolke. Quick Impressions, in Chicago, Rick Impressions with a K. Who, that's right. Without a C. Quick always has a K, I think, but it doesn't have a C, which is the thing. Thank you for bringing that up. I never mentioned that. Rick made um, out my tissue boxes, my bookmarks, my business cards. He makes things for other people, too. All kinds of things. Um, But the thing about Rick that makes Rick really special and quick impressions really special is that he is the most philanthropic person I have ever met. And he does a shit ton of stuff for charity. Mm -hmm. And any, any cause that needs something printed, that Rick will do it. He offers his services. He's just a really fine human being. And today... He had his daughter whip up Harry's um, new logo, and can I, I want to give Mary. a plug to um, my son Harry Abelson's uh, podcast. Um, in the booth is starting back up tomorrow night, Thursdays at eight thirty p.m. on the Facebook Pacific Time eleven thirty Eastern slash Time. facebookcom Abelson. There you go. So show it. Put it I on. The, the put it on the thing in the Ooh, booth. That looks neat. Yeah. Is that coming up? Let's see. I don't if, know
1: if, how visible that is. Yeah, look at I I can't.
0: I can't
1: um, Lighting isn't great. Let's see. Eight thirty Pacific, eleven thirty PM Eastern. Thursdays. Carrie Abelson on Facebook. Excellent.
0: There you go. Excellent. So so and and what it so and it's a sports show. That we forgot to say yes, that. That's important. you're not you guys aren't going to be talking Bachelorette at all. Like, <laughs> <ever>. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's Bachelorette Fantasy now. So there is. who knows? What? So who yes, knows? There is. No yeah. stop. Yeah. Yes.
1: You can Deal you can me predict in. who you think will end up going home each week. So there's fantasy everything. Around. And you can make
0: money doing this. Can you make money? I don't doing know if this? they do it for money. So they might. They probably I'll do, do, it do it for the rose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in it for the roses. <laughs> All right. So so okay. So people are saying hello. I don't know. Hi Penny. I don't know. People are here. Curtis, um, Kimberly, <laughs> Valerie, say hey. So. Luis, did I lose your place? No, I'm, 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 I'm on it. Um, you know, there are. I would say 99. This is a completely made up number. Make up so, statistics. So I, I am not like keeping you. it 100. I would have oh. to get a teabag bag because, um, because I was about to completely. Are you make keeping up. it 99? I was, I, oh. I was totally making up a number. But I would say that the majority, by a lot, of our guests right. I know personally. Uh-huh. And I have a relationship with them. Right. So it's a very different thing sitting down with someone I know really well and having a conversation than with someone that, that I've just met. Although last week I had just met God. Michael Cole. Michael Cole, Cole was oh. here. And, but but the thing about Michael was that I felt like I'd known him because I spent many hours in bed with Michael. So much. For lot. many years. So much. Oh my God. That was, that was just crazy. Crazy! Was he, he adorable? Was, yeah, he was unbelievably cool. I love the fact that he acted out every story and yeah. like punched and like did things, and he was so cute. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's going to be back for for Women Who Write. He'll be here um, in June. He'll be here. Th- uh, yeah, in June. And um, coming up next week on the Road Taken. For any of you who have not seen episodes, I suggest binging it between now and next week because mm-hmm. I binged it in a week. You can get it all and in. And Kathleen Perkins, this woman who plays Carol, is one of the funniest actresses I have ever seen in my life. I, 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 I stalked her and chased her. That's how I got her because I felt... Is that more... why I'm here? <laughs> <laughs> because you found me. Ah. Yeah. You stalked me. <laughs> I fell in love with Kathleen. Um, she's hysterical. So she's going to be with us next week. and um, And then... I ran into Maggie Wheeler this this past week, and uh, Janice from Friends, uh, LOL on Curb Your Enthusiasm, Chandler, Chandler. So yeah. funny. So she's so funny. So she's yeah. going to be with us in mid June. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of good things coming up. Um, on, also on Women Who Write, um, Michael Imperioli, our mutual friend, Yay. is going to be back at I the end of book. July. Oh my God! It's out. I just finished it. Oh, how is it? Amazing. I can't wait to read it. Of course, it is. He's such a great writer. He's such a great everything. I don't think there's anything he doesn't do with excellence. There and is not. Uh, Michael's going to be here with with Jules Galley, who is ooh yes, we, dreamy, uh, dreamy. 24. We got two dream boats in the house. We, I, I know. Twenty-four-year-old French kid who can sing his ass off. He can't. He just got a haircut too. I saw no. it on Instagram. He did? Oh, no, yeah. no, no. That's not his current. That's a throwback. Sorry, Weezy, throwback picture. Mm. Unless he got it like in the last yeah. hour, I think. Yeah, because I read the comments, and it looks like you got a haircut. Oh wow! Okay. Ooh, stay well, tuned. <laughs> I look forward to seeing that. I want to talk about tonight's guest. I was going to talk about some other stuff that's going on. Oh, because he's right to, here. He and, should be here now. Yeah, me. and I. Well, we have to. We have to talk about him in front of his face, behind his back, behind Sorry. his back, in front of his face. Yeah. Thanks. So. Larry Wilmore, Louise. Yeah. I. You're. You're a political. Aficionado. I'm a junkie. You are a junkie, so I know that you have to be very familiar with Larry. I have Larry. a fantasy pool for when Trump leaves. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, so for me, my real awareness of Larry was with The Daily Show. That's when I first really became aware and really got to know him mm-hmm. as the, what, what did they call? It wasn't the the head correspondent. He I, well, I know he was the black correspondent, but there was a title senior above black senior black correspondent. <laughs> That's what, but I love the fact that Larry has black attached to almost everything that he's, he's this. He's a, an executive producer of Blackish. His show is called Black on the Air. I, I love the fact that he just owns his shit, and it's like there's no question. There's no you know should we be off? And and you know what he said to Obama, and we're going to talk about. Well, we'll maybe touch on you that. You know Obama. Yes, he did the White House Correspondents Dinner, oh, he hosted it in right. 2016, and not only that, but he took shit extraordinaire, because he got very comfortable with the president before he left the stage, and man, did it come down from that, so we can talk about that a little bit. Oh, that was too. awesome, yeah. that was the best. It, it was the best, yeah. and, and I love the fact that, and, and that's, what I, that's one, one of the things that I love about Larry, mm. he is fearless. He has huge balls. He, he knows who he is. He knows who he is. He says it as it is. He has, his mouth is as foul as mine. It just <laughs> lets it rip. And um, he's just comfortable being who he is. But he, but Larry, in living color. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm like totally like going, the Jamie Foxx show, um, uh, back in the day. Oh, the fact, the fact, was it Facts of Life? No, he, he's F- right wait, there. Wait, he's what was, yeah, the Facts of Life he appeared on. And yeah, I mean, but I mean, things that I were did. you the boyfriend?
1: No. Stop. Oh, and you did? I was on the same year to explain. <gasps> oh, we've kind of had similar careers. Oh my god! I, I, <laughs> I
0: was a page on the Facts of Life. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this Do is you getting. Remember me now? <laughs> of <course>. Okay. Okay, <laughs> so as, after the Daily Show, the Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. You know, he had his own show, the, the Blackish thing. He has a show on HBO, Insecure. Um, Okay, what else? He's been on The Office, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm looking at all of his credits now. He is the creator of the Bernie Mac show. He won an Emmy for the pilot. He won a Peabody award. He has won a shit ton of awards. You know this is this is just crazy, and we can't keep talking about him without no, having he him needs on. To be ready. So we have to bring Larry on. So Yay. Lizzie, thank you for doing this, Larry Wilmore. Yay. Thanks, and I just want to point out, we're probably not in camera view right now, but he one tall, fine drink of there water, you Larry. Thanks, thank you so much. Okay, so so we get you're getting likes and oh, love. You get the likes. Yeah, yeah, you're getting likes and love. So,
1: Thank you, Louise, for warming up my seat. Is it nice and warm? <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's act- toasty. All oh, right. Yeah. cool. So, so since H-P I just... Thank you for that very kind intro. It very nice.
0: You know, I've been holding back. Larry's been in the house for about a half hour, and I told him that... Half hour? This...
1: It's been like two hours. I'm ago.
0: sorry. <laughs> I made him come early to do a little promo thing.
1: I had to walk the dog. It's my Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. um, that made me think of that song. Mm-hmm. It's a song, Walk the Dog. But, uh. Anyway, so I didn't want to tell you because Mm -hmm. this was too crazy because I found this out today. So we Uh have a mutual really good friend. Okay. And I wrote to him today to tell... I did not know... All Mm -hmm. right. I listened to a bunch of your podcasts today because Mm -hmm. I just wanted to hear what was going on with you recently. And and the first one I listened to... Um, was you and your daughter were talking up. Oh, yes. okay. Lauren. And um, your daughter Lauren. Where did she go to school? You mentioned back east so you didn't her. She's before. at
1: Barnard uh, University. Columbia. I lived mm-hmm. across the street. What? 123rd. You know exactly February, what I'm talking about. So right? I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about. My yeah. daughter's a Tisch at NYU. Nice. Doing yeah. what
0: That's you so. and I did which mm. makes me cry because the drama degree yeah. the, the 4.3 GP you have to do drama. No, yeah. please don't do drama but she yeah. is. But your daughter's doing. <laughs> well, going, she's,
1: she's a comparative literature major but uh, I think she... I don't know if she has a minor in dance, but her major is comparative literature. No,
0: she was very, yeah. very brilliant. Yeah, I got she's, that
1: right she's, away. She's the a la- girl, What's
0: with it? the languages? I'm prejudiced. Oh yeah. my god, she was yeah. like she she speaks Chinese fluently.
1: Mandarin French? What? Um, Listen to this; it's no, crazy. But she's loved languages since she since she was real little. When she was like five or six, she wanted to like. We almost took her to the Berlitz Institute because she wanted to. She knew then that she wanted to learn French. Okay, at, what at do, do you know? What sparked her? Well, I don't know. She's always been a francophile. She was born on July 14th, so she's oh, born in Bastille, right. Day, yeah. <laughs> and why she attached that, I don't know. But languages—many people in our family on both sides were kind of into languages. My dad studied Japanese when I was a kid. Nice to study with him, and I found I was, it was really fun. But I'm really mad at myself because I never really took the initiative to really learn another language. Can you speak any other No, I mean I know parts. I know like enough to get me in trouble. Like uh, enough to get me in trouble. <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> so, it's like I'm kind of like that with many things in my life. I know a little bit about enough things mm-hmm. to make it seem like I'm smarter than I actually am. I love that. <laughs> yeah, cuz there you go. You're very yeah. smart. Uh, well, I, I'll,
0: you're I'll let you get smart. away with that, but you're very uh, smart. So, you're very kind. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so I was listening and your your daughter who was What I was. How old is she?
1: Lauren will be twenty in on July fourteenth. There you go. Incredibly
0: Mm -hmm. articulate. Yes, um, really, really, really well spoken. Yeah, Uh, and so um, poised and. Comfortable in her skin I could just tell even though I couldn't see her
1: she is but we're all goofy too at the same
0: but that's <laughs> so, a good thing you want yes. to you want the we, goof
1: yes we will devolve into complete nerdiness and <laughs> she said
0: she was moment. a nerd yes yeah exactly yeah yeah so I got that okay and then your guest that that day was Bill Rosenthal
1: oh yeah phil has been a buddy for a long time yeah he, he did your uh he did your thing well yeah.
0: I have been I spent Five years every Sunday at his movie night. Phil yeah. is my god. Yeah, and um, I've gone to
1: that too. We've made cross paths you know, at his movie
0: night. Yep. No, because I would have hounded you at yeah. the time. <laughs> and you would have been on the show a long time ago right. had right. we met on movie night. Yeah. But, you know, he has lists. Now, yes. it used to be in the old days that we would go every week, right. but then it got too crowded. Uh-huh. So now I only get to go on a rotating basis. See, I haven't been in
1: a long time. Oh, but I, the last time I went, this yeah. was so special. Richard Benjamin was there with his lovely wife, Paula yeah. Prentiss. I heard you talking huge, about him. Because I'm a huge fan of both of them, you talk. know, and um, it was just great. To me, that's kind of, I, I love like not only movies, but the magic of movies and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and I'm a big fan of, especially that era, the 70s, you know, and uh, Parallax View was one of my favorite movies from back then, Paula Prentiss had kind of a small Philip Roth
0: just went, and, and yeah. Philip, Goodbye, Columbus, and yeah. um, Richard Benjamin is one of my heroes. Oh, my yeah. Favorite Year is one of my favorite yeah, movies Yeah, he all directed time. Them, yeah. Richard was here also. Yeah. And um, uh, I actually met Richard through Henry Jaglom, but then I've, I've seen him and Paula at... Uh, yeah. Actually, Paula got up. Paula's very shy. I love Paula. Yeah. But she got up and they did, like, a little husband-wife thing very, that has almost that has so many hits on YouTube because oh, wow, they are so, funny. so cute. Very yeah. underrated
1: as an actress, oh. I think. You don't yeah. hear Paula Prentiss talked about too much, but she was in that naturalistic act. Era. she was fantastic and just just a stunning natural beauty gorgeous too. yes gorgeous yeah. and also right. an incredible comedian yeah
0: so um
1: they're natural. Both very yes. funny. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. funny so funny a good era that 70s for me. it was a
0: good era and they're lovely yeah. together and, and very still very loving together which yeah. is so wonderful great. to see yeah and um, but anyway so I wrote so when I listen to the podcast right, right, right. I write to
1: Phil today yeah. and I say
0: Phil Larry's doing my show tonight. He goes, yeah. I'm going out to lunch yes, with him tomorrow. To oh my, stop yeah. that. right We're having lunch tomorrow. And, and so that I was have, the
1: type of person, you don't have to worry about picking the restaurant. So I said to him, <laughs> like, you yes. go into
0: that Mexican restaurant that he mentioned on the show that he was going to take you to. Uh-huh. I can't remember the name of it now. Yeah, I don't Whatever remember. Whatever it is, but yeah. I, he, didn't, he didn't answer me. Because yeah. when he's done with the conversation, then he's done Like him. I didn't even
1: look to where we were going. I just said, he picked it? Great. Done. Well, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you wait, know.
0: But, if, if you don't know, somebody feed Phil... You have to know right now. It's on Netflix. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, j- he's just extraordinary. Yeah, um, he's getting
1: away a- with showbiz murder because, <laughs> because he's doing exactly what, what he wants. wants. Exactly, he do it. and yeah, he, and, it's, and he indulges, but he does it too. Like he'll, he'll take a couple of bites and then like he'll give it to his brother or that type of thing. But you know, what you know, I've
0: asked him about Very that. Very
1: smart about that. Yeah. He
0: is, and you know, I ask him like, he, and that's what he'll say. I said, "How do you stay so safe?" Yeah. So he'll say, "I prepare for it." So if he knows he's gonna eat big, he Mm -hmm. won't have breakfast, he won't have lunch. He'll just pick a little bit. Um, and then he'll but yeah he takes a few bites but when he loves something mm-hmm. he'll eat it you know and he'll right. he says he'll eat a lot of it I don't know I've, I've never seen him eat a lot of anything yeah. but um, that's not my problem um, <laughs> it's kind of my problem <laughs> right? no I mean my yeah. problem is that yeah. I eat everything and yeah, yeah I don't idea. I don't monitor myself it's yeah. I, I heard if you I knew I was being eat- uh, if, if I, I knew I was being eaten being wow. filmed yes I this, need less too this because podcast because just took a turn <laughs> 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 I just don't think any of any people are that attractive when they're chewing right i have i've known louise mm-hmm. for years mm-hmm. i have never seen louise eat anything really she and she don't eat in front of them when i'm working i have to be really comfortable when i eat like right. really And so if i were on a movie set which is what that is uh-huh. i would just take a few
1: bites. so relaxation is a <laughs> It's yeah. a prerequisite for... For eating. For, yeah. For not eating. for me. Is that...
0: I'm no, nerves. I can eat I, anywhere. Me too. Yeah, it does Anywhere, matter. anytime, in Definitely. front of anyone. Sleeping can, is different, but eating... I can okay, it. I, have, I have the solution for the sleeping thing. Oh, okay. I can sure solve enough. your... I, I swear to God. That'd be great. Nancy Allen turned me on to this. It is the secret of the universe. What is it? It's an app called Calm. Really? And I hate the woman's voice. I couldn't right. get past it for a while. Is that what puts you to sleep? But, but you well, get away from that well they have a bunch of things. First, they have right. people reading these bedtime stories. Right. They are the most horrible stories. Say, this sounds <laughs> kind of creepy. Okay, wait. The, the story, sure not called keep calm? <laughs> <the, laughs> as soon as somebody says keep calm, yeah. I want to smack them. Right. But, um, but anyway, they, there's a bunch of bedtime stories. I can't listen to those because they're yeah. so horrible. But they do put you to sleep. But then right. there's a Some bunch of meditations. Women, yeah. They have things that are just like... Fireplace sounds. and No, I need right. the ones where it says, press this for deep sleep, and yeah. she'll start talking. And I swear to God, I have never gotten past two wow. minutes, and I am out. And I'm I'm someone who has trouble. I can keep going back to sleep all morning long. I could sleep till three in the afternoon if I just... Kept putting this thing on. This
1: woman sounds incredible. She, I'm telling you. <laughs> must this, be the most boring woman ever. Now, this, I'm telling it's the
0: number one sleep app. I, I sh, I'm doing no, I a know. commercial for them. They're know. not even paying
1: me. They're dessert. It's, Everybody just fell asleep anyway. I, That's the
0: magic of the app. But, but, it, but it is the secret of the universe for going yeah. to sleep. Okay, That's let's awesome. talk about Larry one more. Sure, what do you so, want to So, right, I want to know everything because okay. I, I, it blows me away... And I heard you talking about the fact that um, somebody was saying to you on something I was watching today that you broke ground on late night TV being the, mm-hmm. the first. Af- and, you know, I don't feel like I need to say African-American with you. Can I just mm-hmm. say black? Yeah, with you, I'm, I'm saying not, black. I'm not from Africa. So yeah, yeah, so that's what I. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I've done
1: jokes about that. Africa just makes me think hot. And things But that, you are,
0: Larry, you are. Things
1: that might eat me, and <laughs> brothers who speak French, which I don't believe is in God's plan. So.
0: <laughs> brothers
1: who speak French, except for your daughter. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, yes. the sisters. Right. Everybody. So,
0: okay, so um, somebody was saying that crediting you with being the first uh, black uh, host of a late night TV show, and you corrected them about Arsenio. Yeah, our city, correct. Right. But the difference is that Arsenio mm-hmm. did, and, and it's amazing what Arsenio did, mm-hmm. and, and he paved the way for you and for hopefully countless other people that right. will come along. But he did it in entertainment. Mm-hmm. And what you do is entertaining, but yeah. you also educate. You, you also mm-hmm. are in a different talk arena that right. was not touched upon uh, by a black man before—that's a pretty <laughs> big deal. Are yes. you? Were you? I don't know the answer to this. I try to Google it, and it didn't come That's up. Okay. Um, were you the first black man to host the the White House Correspondents' Dinner?
1: No, um, I know Cedric the the Entertainer oh. had done it okay. uh, just a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did it. I think he did one of Bush's last years. I think. Okay. Um... Though, but it might, it might come
0: to mind. Well, you are one of the, of a minority. of Yes, I tend have, to be one of few in most things <laughs> that I do. I don't
1: know if that's good or bad, but it's kind of been my whole life. And
0: right. I wasn't going to bring this up now, but since we're already here, let's go here. So, mm-hmm. okay. The whole Obama thing. Yeah. For those of you who don't know how the White Larry, House Correspondence Yes. Yes. Um, the end of, of, your, of your speech at the mm-hmm. White House Correspondents Day, right. what did you What did you say? Um, can you say it or do we just talk around it? We can talk yeah, around it. I'm the one that said it. Said it. Say it. Like. Well,
1: here, I'll give you the context for it. Okay. So, you know, joke, 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 all that kind of stuff. You know, the whole room was kind of turned against me, I think. But, uh... <laughs>
0: they, they were... They're they are hostile anyway. They're hostile like, with everybody. I,
1: you know, after a while, I'm like, whatever, motherfuckers. I'm just going to keep doing these jokes. I don't care what you do. That mean, has to know. be the worst room to I play. I just did care worst after a while. It's, it's, the, it's, the, wor- really it's the
0: worst room. Well, we yeah, saw what happened really this tough. year. Oh, was Owning oh, yeah. it. Yeah, her, she And she was getting nothing. Her, yes. her, her career is almost... Do you know Adam Sandler took her off, took her off his movie? I mean, in no, crazy shit. Yeah, he was, took her... She, she, she lost awesome. a million dollars. Did you like it? I thought, it was,
1: oh, I thought she, I she was, was awesome. hysterical. She did a good job. Anyway. Um, okay, so let's get back um, to Well, her. she was true to herself. That's what you do, you know. Right. But, uh, so at the end, I was saying that, um, you know, I've joked that I voted for Obama because he was black. You know, I didn't need... The policies. Oh, right. You know? That was very, that whole was Yeah, because people funny. always try to make me upset about Obama. Do you think Obama's doing a good job? Do you think Obama's, I'm doing... like, is he still black? Right. <laughs> then he's doing great. You know, that's why I voted for him. You're, you're the, the liberal that wanted all these things. I just wanted the brother in the White House. You know, and as long as he keeps being black, you know, I'm good. You know, just keep being black. I was good, you know. <laughs> and I'm making my mind about policy. I can just go policy by policy. (laughs) Like, the ideology was, was that you know. But, that was the joke. Right. But the meaning of it was, you know, I'm the same age as Obama. We were born into a world that held us in contempt at our birth, right? When we were kids, a black man couldn't even be the quarterback of a football team. You know, he couldn't even lead a football team. And the fact that now... He's the leader of the free world. It's just you know it gives me goosebumps. Yes, it gave me goosebumps. I was crying when I wrote it actually, it gave me goosebumps. And then the final part of it was something I hadn't thought of earlier, where I just wanted to say, you know, yo, Barry, you did it, my nigga, you know. And just to have this kind of private moment that I knew he would understand. And that's just something? <laughs> yes, he got he he jumped out of his seat. Just, he did the same thing, gave me one of those, pulled me to him. Now, it looked like that to me. It was genuine. It was totally genuine. Comple- I don't know how Michelle felt about it. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> but uh, it was completely genuine. And not only that, he was so kind afterwards, when he didn't have to be. He, the press secretary... How, when
0: did the backlash start for you? Oh, immediately. How? How did Just, it manifest? What happened? Oh,
1: on Twitter it was going crazy. you know. But how
0: about in the room?
1: The room, the room turned on me early because yeah, I, the room did turn on me because when I said a joke, there were two jokes where they really turned on me. <laughs> one well, what, was, what was that? What was about Wolf Blitzer? Where, uh, oh I, yes, it was. There were a couple versions of that joke, yeah. and I think the last version of it was the barest version, so okay. it had the least amount of of Contentful technical thing. of technical joke. Okay. It had more attitude than anything else. <laughs> But, so Tell it was us like, what it was. How, how is Wolf Blitzer still on television? You know, that was, uh, it was speaking of drones. How is Wolf Blitzer still on television? That, that was basically the line. Oh, my and God. And it was like, and then it was... Uh,
0: and I'm telling you, you could see the look as they panned the room. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, the room yeah. was just hostile. Right, right. And hostile. I thought nothing against Wolf
1: Blitzer. Uh, <laughs> and then there was a, a punchline to that, and I can't remember it, but they were like, no, we're not feeling that. <laughs> and then... Uh, it was that, and I said something about Joe Biden. It wasn't a, a bad joke, but everybody was feeling sorry for Joe at that time. I think.
0: It, was, it was something about him cleaning. It, yeah, exactly. It was and i like, oh, and I'm yeah. like, what
1: the fuck is wrong with you guys? <laughs> with what I was thinking. And that's when I thought, fuck you motherfuckers, I'm just going to do this set. And I was happy that I was going after everybody. In it, right. You know? Not, I went after Fox, MSNBC, CNN. I crushed CNN. They, I was oh, banned God, when from CNN, CNN after that. Oh God, when
0: CNN, when they used to do the news, yeah. was that your joke? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that <laughs> oh, type they thing. used yeah, we well, were just following that missing plane for about a year. Oh, oh God. it's crazy. God.
1: No, it's porn for them. I couldn't. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, CNN. Uh, they always said breaking news because that's what they're doing. They're breaking news. They literally are. They literally are breaking news, you know. They're telling us what they're doing.
0: Oh my um, you could turn it on at any time. That's,
1: that's why I say the CNN is very truthful. You so, so, so you're not on CNN anymore? No, yeah. I was going to go on. I mean, I don't know now, but, yeah, but at okay. the time, <laughs> Don was going to have me on, And I slammed him, but he took it as a joke, you know. Yeah, he, he flipped me off, I think, which is hilarious. Uh, but he was going to have me on that week because I mean, people were losing their minds, and and not every and it didn't go down strict partisan lines for me. Okay, it kind of went down partisan lines for Michelle, right? Um, in, in some ways. some people were mad because. Really? Well,
0: I thought everybody turned on her. No. no.
1: No, a lot of it was partisan because Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a Republican. And oh yeah, Speaking yeah. for the president. Yeah, yeah, But for me, when I said my nigga, there were black people that were like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 that's just wrong. Like some of the older stuff, but the young black was like, oh
2: shit, did Larry just say <laughs> that? Oh,
1: <laughs> like. Like, I had a lifetime pass to the cookout. Black people know what I'm talking about. Black people know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but, uh, so, it was, there was this kind of rip, and then white people didn't know what to think. They were waiting for how black people were going to react to you it. Know? And then, like, people on CNN and some of the news, they're so sanctimonious, you know Say, i remember Ben Jones saying something like, I'll never be on a show that Larry Wilmore more, so I'm like, shut up, nigga. And then, like, a month later, he was on this thing that I was Oh, saying. come on.
0: But, but, like, all right, so before before you get to the bigger battle, right. like what happened? In, I mean, you're in the
1: room, yeah. So, right afterwards, yeah, I, I thought I bombed completely, and I was like, Man, you know, because they just they, they know, don't give it up, they yeah, don't give it and, up, for and anybody. they turn yeah. not only did they yeah. give it up, but they turned, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the one run that kind of got some really good laughs was when I was calling, uh Ted Cruz, the Zodiac Killer. And that, and, and that got a real... That got yeah. some good laughs, uh-huh. you know. But then they got tired of that. So, okay, we're against you again. And I made a cocoa butter joke. In yes, a so you did make a... <laughs> yes. The
0: next president will come in, you won't yeah, know what cocoa this butter. is. What's this?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh... So afterwards, you're kind of in a daze, you know, and we took a picture and everything, and I'm walking back, and my people come back, going, Oh, that was great, that was great, but it's your people. Right, and right. And you don't know, you know, they're being friendly and all that. Right. And I went back, I kind of, in a daze, kind of, some people were avoiding eye contact. It's like when oh you have an animal that is on your farm, you don't want to get too close to it because you might have to eat it someday. And you know? it's like, <laughs> people are kind of like kind of, not want to. <laughs> don't name it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so i made it back to my room and i sit down and i turn on my phone because it had been off the whole time you know and And oh your
0: phone had to be exploding it was
1: exploding first tweet first
0: text yeah from
1: john stewart and he said you fucking crushed it he said that's what i'm talking about congratulations and I almost started crying. Was like, I watched John come out yeah. at the end of,
0: of the nightly show. Yeah,
1: and that was, that so was one of the most beautiful. But to have the first thing come from John, of all people, Jesus. who I respect so much. And at that point, I was like, I'm good. You know, wow. Good, come on, motherfucker. Just like throw whatever you want. But then Twitter turned upside down. All this support started pouring. Oh, nice, in. And nice. it was amazing oh, the amount nice. of support. And all these articles were being written about why it was the best thing and why it was legendary and why it was this. That's and so it, good. it was amazing. And what's interesting is that because we're in the digital age and so much of that support and by the way, when I say support, I mean some really thoughtful articles that were defending this, like the whole thing, not just the small part. That was that was the, the climax to it. Right, the denouement, if you want. But uh
0: see? Brother speaking French. But
1: uh, you know, it's funny because we live in this digital age and it's hard not everybody sees these things. It's not the these. if that was in the New York Times or the Late Times, everybody would have seen it. So some people who didn't know, like some of my family, like I don't know what they thought about it, you know. And like people said, Are you okay? You know, are you, I'm like I'm fine, yeah. You know? But you could always tell Okay, what, but wait You could, you could, could you tell have... what people's opinions were actually about it. By how they by how they talked to you afterwards, like if they talk really they say, slow, hey, how's it going? Good. How how are you doing? <laughs> that means you didn't like it because why would they say that? You know, but people like to say, hey, Larry, oh my god, oh my god, you know. So it was really funny to hear the difference. How are you doing? You okay? Did
0: you have any I'm moment? Fine. Did you have any moment where? I hope, I hope the answer to this is no. But did you have any moment where you questioned yourself or where you. Did, did you have any. I hope you had no regret.
1: Oh, no. I okay. had no regrets. The only thing was the very last thing was my nigga, you know. Well, that's I, what I'm talking about. I went back and forth of whether or not I should do it. But right. once I got up there, I knew I was going to do it. Once I was in it, you know. Once I made the firm decision. But leading up to that, I was fascinating back and forth. I wasn't sure. And, my oh, friends, I so my to friends that. around me said, "Larry, you have to do that. You have to, because when I came up with it, it was, a, I came up with it out of it was inspiration. out of love. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's out of love, and it really meant something to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But I did it. so. I there think you go. You have to swing for or, it when you have. That I think game. so. Yeah. And and that's
0: saying. that's what I love about you is that you always
1: swing for it. And I try. I you know what? I, I it's the only way that I know, because when I'm doing that, I'm able to do my best work, and if I'm not. Yes, them. and if I'm not doing that, it's like, why do you have me? It's like I'm interchangeable at that point. So mm-hmm.
0: you keep it a hundred all the time. I have to with everything, and I and that's inspiro- inspiring. Inspiring yeah. to me. I, I thank you. I um that's my thing too. To to my detriment sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's tough shit. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, I have people coming on my Facebook asking me why I curse on my Facebook. Well, go to somebody else's Facebook right. if you don't right. want to read what I have to say.
1: And for me, keeping it hundred really means. Um, the What's, truth is more important than my opinion.
0: Oh, I love that. Tell yeah. me where that comes from, because I don't know it's the just origin. Just my own observation. But no, but the the keeping it one hundred. Oh, so I, keeping I it one hundred. Where that comes from? What
1: well, comes from the expression "keeping it real"? Do you remember no, that? yeah, of course. So and uh, so keeping it real became keep it one hundred percent real
0: went where when? I don't know These okay happen. you you didn't I used do that. to get a okay.
1: newsletter I don't get one anymore you okay. know, people just change slang on me okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean word up just became word you know I said anything I need to get I'm on just, that mailing yeah, list I was <laughs> saying word up everybody <laughs> like,
0: but nobody you know, no,
1: no, no, no. so I don't know um, but yeah, so so, uh, so you took it on. What was I,
0: I love that you took it on, and it became your thing. Well,
1: I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Okay. So the way that the nightly show happened was, um, well, I don't know how much of the story I should tell, but uh, let me tell short. Tell the minute. story. Well, it's very complicated because we uh, want it. We want it. Okay. Well, at the time, looks and so on. So at the time, I was uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Okay. And I had just, I had been making a transition into performing again, which I had kind of put dormant for a while mm-hmm. in my career when I was writing and producing a lot, and I had two roads I wanted to go down. One was maybe create a show for myself as an actor, like a sitcom, yes. the actor road, but the other was use my stand-up uh, stuff to uh-huh. create a show more as a personality. Uh-huh. So there's the actor route and personality route. So the actor route, I was completely confident in, but the personality mm-hmm. route, I hadn't done stand-up in a while, so I needed to kind of reestablish my relationship with the audience. And that's why I did The Daily Show in the beginning. I was so going to
0: say, you did so much time on The Daily
1: Show. The I mean, reason why I did that was yeah. to eventually have my own show. Gosh. Gotcha. You know, but I, I chose The Daily Show to kind of establish a relationship with the audience <clears throat> to get that going again. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did a special for Showtime called Larry Wilmore's Race, Religion, and Sex right. in uh-huh. Utah. Was <laughs> <It's> the first one. <laughs> I just love the title. I, I love the fact yeah. that you're about titles, too. I I'm, love titles. I'm into titles. Titles are what it's about.
0: I just. Quit yeah. a gig because he changed my title without asking yeah. permission on that. No, nope, I I'm agree. Done. Yeah. Um, but I, I love train. I love that
1: you're into titles oh, and your titles words, are words. Because yes. you love words. Yeah. Words yeah. are important. You know? Yeah. Otherwise, why do we have them? Yeah,
0: but some there okay. there are people who are writers who their titles are just okay. Their writing is brilliant, they're but they're not necessarily
1: Yeah. Well to me a really good title already That's the jump in tells you where you're going from Absolutely. the beginning. And that's what I love about it. Um
0: so I interrupted you like thirty times. That's okay. So okay. so
1: so I did uh, a couple of specials for Showtime, mm-hmm. and they said, "Okay, we love those, Larry. It was great, you know." Okay. But we, we, I don't think we want to do that as a business in terms of weekly shows. So I said, "Okay, well, you guys are great partners. Had a lot of fun," and I kind of put it out of my mind. Like, okay, well, well what
0: was the format of your specials?
1: Um, it was close to the dining show. Okay. Um, I opened up.
0: You didn't have a, a discussion
1: yeah but here's what it was the the I have
0: to go back and I have to what I I was really
1: going for in that Mm -hmm. was I wanted to talk to America rather than have a show that was in New York or LA every show I was going to do every special was going to be in a different city oh nice and I would take people from that city who would be part of my panel and I would have maybe experts or whatever Uh so that was the the working idea that I wanted to hear from from you oh that's why
0: it was you talk
1: Exactly. I gotcha. Exactly. Okay. And uh, there was, and that's when Mitt Romney was running. Nice. And so yeah. So there were some issues that were, you know, kind yeah. of uh, for Utah. And I had a lot of fun with it too. Um, I pretended to be uh, a missionary, and I did some jokes of riding a bike, and and that kind of stuff. It was real fun. So there's a lot of fun to be had. But the format was me kind of doing a monologue first, and then. Uh, short interview and then I had four people on stage and, you know, it was kind of that format and a couple of tape bits too. So, mm-hmm. so that kind of rough format. So when that didn't go, I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do for my next move? And um, when I was thinking about it, my managers told me about um, Issa Rae and she was a, this person who had done some shows on the internet and one was called Awkward Black Girl and I had never heard of it. And I, the this title, is who you're doing Insecure. Insecure. Okay. So the title made me laugh. Once again, the title. Just tell me the title again. Um, an awkward Black Girl. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> that's well, that's... Perfect. Yes, because it's interesting. It is interesting. And interest so I thought, much. okay, well, this th- that means this person has a point of view. Mm-hmm. If someone chose a title like that, mm-hmm. that means they have a point of view. So already mm-hmm. my interest was peaked, right? Excellent. And so we mm-hmm. met, and H- she had tried to do something with Shonda's company, ABC, but it didn't quite work out. And she was at HBO, and they wanted to pair with somebody who had more experience, because she had never done television, so they asked me about it. How old? How old? <laughs> She was she was in her twenties at the time mentally, and um, and real like real smart and had done all this stuff herself, so very entrepreneurial that that type of thing. And when I watched Dr. Black girl, I was like, oh my god, she's really special. She had kind of a quietness about her. Um, I kind of compared her to a silent film actor. <laughs> Like a Buster Keaton type of, of wow. thing where there's a silence but it's saying a lot, you know. Wow. And she did little for a lot. So she mm-hmm. she was the opposite of what we normally see, you know. Um so it brought you into here rather mm-hmm. than there was too much expression going out there. So I found her very interesting. Like Roseanne,
0: which we'll get to in a
1: bit. <laughs> yeah. So I found her very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now I find her interesting. So then we met, and the idea was for me to supervise her, you know, like in that kind of situation to
0: supervise her so she
1: would write a script and I would kind of be the the expert hand giving her advice and that type of thing that's kind of what that means Mm -hmm. but when we met we hit it off so well Mm -hmm. I said do you want to just write together and she she was like yes and I was like awesome and we were both so excited and I really had nothing else going on that summer that we wrote it and we Mm -hmm. spent um, that summer I was training for a triathlon actually that summer that's how that's how much free time I had (laughs) And, wow. Uh, yeah, so... Okay,
0: now I'm very impressed with your physical well, fitness. No, you don't have to be. Not, no, you shouldn't be impressed right <laughs> now.
1: But, uh, so I was training for the travel and I'm riding with Issa, and we had so much fun. And just... Well, tell
0: me just a little bit, because we have a lot of writers watching. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I'm, I'm writing a screenplay with a partner right now. Sure. What, what was your collaborative process? Did you did you sit in the same room? Did you send it to each other? How did you work? No.
1: So, it's different for each situation. For right. Me. And to me, it, it's all dictated by the relationship and by the content. Okay. And in this situation, the show was very personal in some ways. And so, what I did was I spent about a month, I would say, interviewing her and just asking her about her life and okay. scooping out things. Tell me about your sex life. Tell me about things you're afraid of. Tell me about your friendships. Tell me about this and that. So, this you is know. kind
0: of like what you and Phil were discussing the other day about yeah. he and Ray yeah. and how Phil called. Right. Right. Yes, and and combine their two lives. So did Correct. you? So I didn't you. combine my life yet. Okay. I wanted
1: to because the show was going to be about, and we had to figure out what the show was about too during this okay. process um, before we could even start writing. Because for me, I have to know what it's about before I can start writing. Right. Well, so,
0: that's a good idea. Yes. That's a to general
1: know. good. Rule but of you'd account. be surprised how some people don't. They have a premise. And they start writing according to that premise and they have maybe a general conflict but they don't really know what it's about
0: okay
1: you know and I can talk about that more too in some sense so and I think you have to know the engine that's driving it ultimately that's more than just the general conflict that you've set up there's also a a different engine that should be driving it. you know and that's what it actually is about you know so anyhow so, so you're interviewing her for a month. Yes, and it was so much fun, you know. And we're building her character that way, and building what the show is, and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And we finally figured out that this show is about um, this person who doesn't know who she is and doesn't know where she's going. You know, basically is is that her him. true story? Well, at that at that
0: time, partly not quite noise.
1: for Issa, but it was yeah. what she wanted to dramatize. Because we're not we're not doing a true story about her. We, we're dramatizing, right, of what is the thing that she. Will make a television show based on some of the issues she's gone through. And so observed. you're
0: heightening something that's based exactly. in reality.
1: And okay. a lot of his things is something she's observed more than something she's going through. Okay. Right? Okay. But it represents people at that age late 20s, overqualified, world is their oyster, but they don't like oysters. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, right? Uh-huh. They're not able to. to to have this life that they thought they were going to have, and they're stuck, and they don't know why they're stuck. And I've said to, to me a lot of is about yeah. people who are in a hurry to get their tickets to nowhere. You know, wow. a lot of it is about that. You know, wow. so when you're, so that's what we're dramatizing in the show. Okay. You know. So now that we know that we're dramatizing, we know how to build the scenes because that's what we're dramatizing and that's right. what I mean by when you know what it's about right 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 you know before then you just come up with just a simple conflict but you're just resolving a conflict you don't really know what the show is about you know and that's, you. like the Bernie Mac show I said the Bernie oh, Mac show is about okay if we're going there kids are terrorists I don't negotiate with terrorists <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was basically that simple and that was the DNA of the show. It's in every scene, you know. It's, it's it expressed all the time, you know. He's, we, we have, he's we, the expert on terrorism. Because if you're you know. going
0: there, we're going to stay here, and then I want to go yeah, there. Yeah, I so, pass around So anyhow. No, 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 so do I. It's, so and I was talking about the
1: nightly show, so. But, <laughs> so anyhow, so yeah. the process was, you know, then you start figuring out characters. Once we do that, and we mm-hmm. kind of have a beat on who she is, then we go back and forth, and we're having fun figuring out characters. She had some models of some characters already. We thought about some others, you know, and, the, and we, when we got to writing a draft, we wrote it like in seven days. It went so fast. Because you'd done all the prep. All the work, yeah. Yeah. Wrote Perfect. it like in seven days, and it was so much wow. fun. And we like to write back and forth like this, like in real person. Uh-huh. So we're pitching to each other. One person takes over the typing. Right. The other person is talking. We're both talking. Then another person takes over the typing. So it's that type of thing. That's my favorite way to collaborate. Yeah. Um, I've done the other two doing scenes And... Sometimes that can be okay too, but uh, so anyhow, we did several over the course of a few months. We did several drafts, and HBO has a very long process and it's torturous. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, it could take years to get something done. You know, this is in two thousand thirteen, so the beginning of two thousand fourteen. We don't. They they
0: can't be that way anymore. Netflix and Amazon just lit the fire under HBO's ass, right. right?
1: No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know the model has changed. Yeah. So they were taking their time and. You know, brother had to make some calling, you know? <laughs> 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 And, I, and uh, ABC had called and said, look, there's this show that if you agree to supervise the pilot, we'll pick it up. And my agent said, well, I don't know if Larry it because he usually likes to do his own things, you know. But at that time, I was like, I don't know, this collaboration's working out. What is it, the MacLiver? And they sent it to me, and it was blackish. And I read the first page, I was like, done. Hilarious. It was so clear what that show was. Kenya's script was brilliant, you know. It was so good, and so I thought, well, let me go um, help launch this show if I can, you know. I'll produce the pilot, I don't know, and then I'll get back to you know, to insecure, which was called nonprofit at the time. It wasn't oh. called insecure yet. Okay. Um, I
0: heard I heard you say that producing's your favorite arm of right. what you do, which yeah. is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and I want to hear about that. Sure. So, so absolutely. Tell, so tell me. How this blackish thing, what about it was so thrilling for you?
1: Well, Kenya had a very clear view of the world and of what he wanted to express. Mm -hmm. Um, And it basically came out of his experience. And it's like, I'm black, but I'm not sure if my kids are. (laughs) (laughs) And that's hilarious to me. Once again, that's what that show is about. His kids are (laughs) blackish. They're not, they're not <laughs> black <they're> blackish <laughs> so now what does black ish mean and that that's the expression, right? right and, and it was great like having these discussions with Kenya and all that kind of stuff. and you know I've done jokes about that my whole career as you pointed out you know all kinds of stuff even back to the eleven color days. which we and, have you
0: know, to talk about too. Yeah
1: I did a show called The uh, PJs with dating Murphy it was an animated show, and we had a crackhead on the show. <laughs> I Wait, mean what Yes, it was a satirical show. It yeah, was, it was really, really funny. But we did all kinds of satirical jokes of the black culture on that show. You know, like one of my favorites were the two kids who talking, says, said, Juicy, I hope we never grow up. And he says, well, the statistics aren't our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you can't tell that joke, you know. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible joke, you
2: know? uh,
1: Oh, oh. But uh, That's hysterical. so anyhow, so I've done all those types of jokes, you know? right? So it was interesting to dramatize a problem that this per- a contemporary problem that this person has about race, where the- their family's not black enough. It's really interesting. It's an intra-racial problem, you know, not an extra-racial. Right, problem. right, right. So I found it really interesting. And when, during the casting process, we got it, such an amazing cast. Like, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne was already a part of it, and so was Anthony Anderson. I could not love him more. If it's an amazing cast. Lawrence I Fishburne, I mean, the fact that you have him on your TV show is, ridiculous. is absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but then you get Tracy Ellis. All realize, right, are you ready for this? This is crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> In the 80s, 90s. I worked for her father. Mm. Bob Ellis was I, wow. I was a rock promoter in New York at this club called Woody's, which he which he owned. Right. And so yeah. And so when Tracy was about thirteen we, like, picked Tracy up somewhere and drove her somewhere, wow. and she was just a, a girl. Yeah. And I, I had this conversation with her. I mean, to think. Yeah. I mean, she is one of the most beautifully articulate. Yeah. I, I saw one of her t- a TED Talks that she did that yeah. was uh, yeah, yeah. just stellar. Did you see that TED Talk? She did it. Yeah. yeah. yeah um,
1: it's was about uh, not having kids, It's right? No,
0: it wasn't about not having kids. It was about... Um, I think that
1: was what the subject was that one of the issues was uh, when a woman if you're yeah a that, that was one of the issues yeah. but
0: I, I don't yeah. it was about womanhood yeah. b- bigger I think than, than right. just that one issue it was
1: so Yeah, she's, she's amazing. amazing she I, she was as I like to say hiding in plain sight you know mm. and uh, then the kids and all that stuff you know it was great so it was really a, a great uh, experience and right when the show was getting picked up mm-hmm. I'm going to short change this a little bit um John Stewart asked me, uh, wait, Steve Colbert quits his, David Letterman quits. It's announced that Steve Colbert is going to take over for him. People are wondering, who's going to take Steve Colbert show? Um, I go to do the Daily Show. It was the uh, Donald Sterling thing with the Clippers. I don't know if you're a sports no. fan here, but it was when he did all the the yeah. racial tapes came out or whatever. Could you imagine? That was before all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, all the wringing of hands during that was so <laughs> amazing. But, uh, so I go to do that, and I'm... Because let's
0: get our head black correspondent to
1: talk about it. Senior right? black correspondent. Oh, senior. I keep right. saying it wrong. Yeah. The, senior. The head black correspondent <laughs> has a different duty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> senior. Yeah. senior. Senior. Very important. Okay. And so John okay.
1: said, hey, I want to do this show. I have an idea for a show where, you know, they have people on. that don't always get to be on television. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Yeah, Great. it was John's idea, not yours. No, it was John's idea. And he okay. said, would you like to host it? And I was like... Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I said anything. I was like,
0: "Yeah." <laughs> nothing.
1: No sound came out, you know, because I thought that window was closed. You know, like I'm a producer in my head, and I think, well, I'm too old to start a talk show right now. I mean, this is we have you, to
0: talk about this whole producer thing because right. I, I'm, I'm, like I, I'm interrupting cast, you. But.
1: I will cast myself and say, "No, Larry, you're not right for that." Like I've not done auditions for, said, "No, you're not right for that." It's true.
0: All right, finish the John story because then I want to talk to you about this producing thing. That it okay. Bit, bit so anyhow, interesting.
1: John asked me if I wanted to. I say yes. I can't talk about it because I want to make sure they pick up Blackish. I have to somehow get out of Insecure and out of Blackish oh. so I could do the nightly show. But I still stayed connected to Insecure as a consulting producer. But but the ABC had to let me out of Blackish to go do the nightly show. It was this big. Uh, and what
0: was your official title? You, were you executive producer on Blackish? What was right. you, is that? That was your yeah. title.
1: Mm-hmm. So anyhow it all happened and it was all a whirlwind and there you go that's the story of the nightly show now so the other part of it and then we go back to this so the other part of it is producing the nightly show trying to figure it out what is this show what is it about John said you know John's idea was it initially just to be a discussion show Mm -hmm. but I felt "Mm, I would love for the uh, to weigh in first so the audience could get my point of view on the news before we had the discussion I like it so it became that but I I didn't quite know what the show was as we were doing it. And what do I like? I like to know what the show is about. Right. We had three practice shows, I think. I think that was it. Three mm. practice shows. And the first one, I think, was a disaster.
0: That's good, they say.
1: Yeah. Second yeah. one, I oh we mm. may not even have three, I'm trying to think. Second one, I, don't, I think, was not very good. And I went home and I was in a full-blown panic because we're premiering on Monday and we have one more show on Friday, right? And I'm like, go- I don't know what this show is right now. And I'm like, this is this is terrible. This is going to be horrible. And I'm, I'm up all night and it's like four in the morning. You didn't have calm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it's four in the morning and I'm just looking at the ceiling and I'm like asking myself, what is this show? Is it, what is this show about? And I tried to strip it away and I said, okay, at the... At its core, what are you trying to do, Larry? And one of the things I was trying to accomplish with the Nightly Show is I wanted it to be different than what Colbert was doing. Because oh, Colbert was playing a character, right. it was heightened comedy, right. it was performance yeah. art almost. Mm-hmm. You know, the satire came wrapped in this glorious package that Stephen created, you know. And I thought it would be best if I was direct with my comedy rather than being a character. Be me. Well, sure and be straightforward with the audience, mm-hmm. you know, so so it would be completely different I didn't right. want to compete with what Steven did. Right. I said, okay, so so what is this show then? What am I doing and I thought okay at the end of the day, I'm keeping it 100% real I said that's what I'm doing on the show and I said, okay, there you go So then I figured out okay. Well, that's what the show is the show is I'm keeping it 100. I said, okay that's what the show is about.
0: Oh, I see. And I said,
1: now I understand. So now I can put that in every part of the show. I see. And so that be- my monologue is I'm direct. I'm telling you the truth. Second show, like taking down Cosby, keeping it 100. And then this game came out of it too. Because I'm like, well, what's the game manifestation of this idea? What if we had a game called keeping it 100? You know, once I knew what the show was about, I came up with this game about throwing a weak tea. Okay, so
0: okay, so wait, so 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 I have one for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Cosby or Harvey?
1: In terms of what?
0: In, in terms of who is the most horrendous the person on the planet? Yes.
1: I say burn them both. <laughs> um, okay. I, I don't make distinctions I mean, when it comes to that level of people. They're took, both horrible. You, t- you took horrible. Cosby down early. Yeah, and frequently, yeah. And my catchphrase was, "I haven't forgotten about you, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> I would say that over and over. But that's what the show became for people. Also, that makes a lot of sense. They knew that I was going to keep it 100 for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what even the correspondent was. Man, Larry kept it 100. You know, so that's what that means. So long you, story, just to explain. No,
0: that. no, no. I love it. Were you ever because it was Comedy Central? Were you ever um, uh, censored in any way? No, never.
1: No, love that.
0: Okay, cool. That's good to know. But
1: language... Um, well, there may have been language. There, there were no content censorship. Right, that, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. There may have been, may have been language, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, I but think not they believe on
0: Comedy Central, actually. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so let's let's go back, cause we want to get to living color, living color, all right, and all of that. that. I so, this. Chris. So no, no, no. it's mm-hmm. been fabulous. All right, no, um, before we go back, I need mean, I have a question for you because I'm curious. Because okay. to say that you love producing the most out of right. writing, right. Uh, com- being a comedian. Well, most writers hate writing. I, I was just telling right. the story yesterday that when I have to write a piece yes. and I have a deadline, what do I do? Right. I wash the dishes. I clean out a drawer. Right. I, you know, I have to do. I, I
1: don't want to write. It's, it's yeah. torture. Yes, I have procrastination for my procrastination. Yeah, absolutely. Like I have, I have, I have ways. I talked about this too, where I have ways to procrastinate before I even get to my actual procrastination. <laughs> so
0: is what thrilling. is your pre-procrastination? Right.
1: Oh, there's, there's too many. I actually <laughs> talked about this on my podcast. There's so many of them, but they're very, I, They have to be clever because I'm too smart. And I'll know I'm procrastinating <laughs> to hold off the procrastination. <laughs> you trick yourself. I have to trick so yourself how do you tri- so
0: give me an example of something that you trick yourself with?
1: Um something that has to be done right. is a good way to trick yourself. Yes, like it you is. were talking about. Yes. So if it uh, has to be absolutely. done, you lose yourself in the task because it has to be done. Yeah. Things that have urgency and have to be done is even better. Yes. You know yes. things the, that you've neglected. The He's bill done. has
0: fired. to be the bill has to be yeah. paid, right. the uh exactly. yeah. The, yeah.
1: Things okay. like that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, things like that are very helpful. Right. It's it's harder. To justify, oh, I think I have to go on Tinder right now. Yeah. It's harder, but I can somehow right. work that out. You can
1: why are you write? I because I have a deadline. I mean, why else would I write? Absolutely. Because it's due. <laughs> no, no. no, but the
0: thing is, right. all right, but here's the thing about that for me. Right. Is that I feel that way, I feel that way, and it's torture. And sure. I heard Phil talking about the blank page, and now yeah, yeah. it's torture. Right. But when that sweet spot happens yeah, it's, great. it's like that moment when all of a sudden yeah. I'm there I'm in it right. and and then you can't stop then, then right. there's no then get away yeah, yeah. right
1: well I would say there's you have to overcome first the fear of thinking it's not going to be any good okay and then the fear that it might not be done takes over from the fear of it might not being good <laughs> and once that fear takes over it, and you just start <laughs> writing, you start thinking, oh, actually, this isn't that bad. You well, know? for me, it's like... Fuck a, you, fear of this going to be good. This is actually pretty good. <laughs> for me, it's the
0: first time I make myself laugh. Yeah. The first time I make myself laugh when I'm writing something, it's, oh, this is good. It, yeah. it doesn't it sound sorry good, but I've made right. myself laugh. So then, yeah. then I'm amused. And then writing I'm like, yeah. is
1: yeah. very fulfilling when you get it done, when yeah. you type the end. <laughs> but frustrating up to that point.
0: It can be. And also, yeah. for me, it's not real until... One one other person has read it and validated that I'm not insane. That yeah. what I've written has value. I don't know. I need that outside.
1: To me, it, it has to be produced. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, you're further along than I. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a, you've got a lot it's more a good of that exercise going on. Before yeah. So, yeah. So okay. So about that. So it was shocking to me to hear you say that producing is your favorite mm-hmm. your favorite arm of all of those things because. I produce my events and stuff. It's a pain in the ass. For me, mm-hmm. so much of producing is wringing my hands, you know, having aggravation. Right. Things fall apart. There's there's all kinds of problem solving. So mm-hmm. what about producing? Why does producing turn you on so much? What, what about that is so wonderful? Well, for
1: producing you? television, a lot of it is writing, actually. But a lot of it is writing with a group, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the writing is figuring things out, mm-hmm. you know, and it, putting that creative puzzle together. Casting, I enjoy casting as part of producing. You know, finding actors, who's bringing life to this. Mm. I started as an actor, you know, mm-hmm. I studied theater and that kind of thing. So I, I love- where you school? Cal Poly Pomona. Mm-hmm. And I love talking with actors and finding that, making me script. Editing is a process that I love. A lot of the show is figured out in the editing bay, believe it or not. Right. You know, after you've written it, after you've shot it, a lot of it you figure it out there. I remember the Brain Mac shot throughout almost an entire first act kept like maybe a couple of minutes because the show that I ended up finding was more in the second and third acts which I expanded and everything but I didn't know that until we were in the editing bay and uh, so that's wow. fascinating um, the management of people and all that stuff can be a pain in the ass and dealing with and all that stuff but those parts of it are the parts I do and the shooting of it is the most fun mm-hmm. because I love talking to a director talking to the actors putting it all together being the person that knows No, no 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 yeah we have to do that having a discussion with the actor. Well, let's talk about this thing. One of my favorite producing um, ventures was the pilot of the Burning Mac show. Uh, Ken Quapis, who's a brilliant director and a mm-hmm. very sensitive director, um, who loved my script, and I didn't know if that script was any good. That was an instance when I wrote it, and I was like, I hope people liked it. And when I- and The pilot script? Yes. The one that you won the Emmy <laughs> that for? that won the Emmy, and I know, And it's didn't crazy. it also win,
0: did it win a Peabody? Was that the one the that
1: The show did. The show did, yeah. Okay. And, but I didn't know, um, because I was writing something new at the time. Um,
0: How did the Bernie Mac show, well, I mean, I was gonna ask you this linearly, but that's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. How did did that creation happen? Yeah, now that's an
1: interesting process, because Bernie Mac show at the time, um, a couple of things. Um, First, I had an idea based on watching this show called 1900 House on PBS. Oh, and it was, I don't know that it was a fascinating now. show, it's but it was crazy. Yeah, it was a fascinating show. What they did is the people had to live as if it was like 1900, right, in England. And they had all the, you know, technology that they had in 1900, which and, was none. Correct. And they had to be in their roles from 1900 as well, too. You know, wife had to stay home and. Do all this stuff, husband went away, blah blah blah.
0: Clothing, the underwear, everything.
1: All of it. Had to wash clothes. So they're anyway. basically to like to... Amish. <laughs> yes, right? in some ways. <laughs> With without the ingenuity, right? I mean, <laughs> so, <It> was not <laughs> my yes, right. They couldn't Jeez. build a barn, they would have been really good shape. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but one of the interesting things I found about it was they had a confessional camera. So like if you sneaked a candy bar or you did something we were supposed to do, you'd talk to the confessional camera. And, you and they would do things. that stuff? Yes. Yeah. Because One of them snuck shampoo. Yes, <laughs> yes. She Wait, what, yes. Were they, what were they doing instead of shampoo?
0: You, what would... you, you so.
1: had to use whatever was available then, you know? Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, I found that fascinating. I was like, this is fascinating, you know. And to me, TV at that time, here you have to remember, the big shows were like Will and Grace, Friends, you know, Seinfeld. They were all like multi-camera shows. and Very white. The action well, the action was presented to you in that way. They were, they were very uh, proscenium type shows, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was only one single camera show at the time. Thing was Malcolm in the Middle. But, um... I thought, well, what if you did a show where it felt like you were eavesdropping on what was going on? Where, and I thought about what if I set up cameras in a house and made it seem like we just were eavesdropping on a family and it didn't seem like they were acting. And that was the initial idea that I had. And verisimilitude, if you will. <laughs> and so then I saw Bernie Mac do his routine in Kings of Comedy about taking care of his sister's kids um, where he talked about uh, I believe you should be able to hit a kid in the stomach or the throat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, God, it was so funny. And I thought, well, it would be interesting if you use Bernie in that emotional thing about taking care of his sister's kids. since sister was on crack. You know, it's such an emotional way to bring me in. I might believe this thing. I have the emotional thing to make me watch this thing. So I kind of put that together. And I pitched it to Bernie, pitched it to the network, and people liked it. But then when it came time to write it, I knew I had to write something different. It wasn't what I had written before, different rhythms, all that kind of stuff, that I didn't know how to do that yet. And a lot of it was um, just, um, um, here's, here's what happened, this is a true story. I wrote the same three pages for about four weeks, and I was in a Disney office where I had to deal with Disney, but the deal had been up for like months. <laughs> and I was just camped out in the office nobody knew I was there. I was driving on the, <laughs> the <laughs> lot going,
0: Hey, you know, the,
1: the nobody gar- knew your Yeah, you know, the was was like, "Hey." And I'm like, "Hey, how's it going, man? How are you kids? Good? Good for you." You know.
0: That's like Bartleby the Scrivener. Yeah. Do you know do you know that story, Bartleby the Scrivener? Yeah. Um uh, Yeah, it's um what, what's the, the the line? Um Oh God, I can't remember his one line that he keeps
1: repeating. But anyway, yeah. he's somebody that
0: doesn't leave—that you can't get right. him to leave. Yeah. So I'm
1: holed up in this office. Nobody knows I'm there, you know. And I felt guilty. I got to three pages, Vicky, because I couldn't catch the tone of it. I couldn't catch it. And I was—some uh, days I didn't do anything. You know, some days I was. So so what? So
0: what does that look like when you terrible. are when you hit the wall?
1: Because I complete, hit the wall all the fucking despair. time. Despair. And I have when we will. I'll talk to you sometime about. Writing itself, right? Because you know, I have opinions about that, you know. But, um,
0: because Larry's going to be back for the for women to write, we're he's going to about talk, about right. yeah, talk But that's that. like
1: specific technical stuff, and I've right. come up with things for that. But a lot of it's oh, based on cool. this. So, here's the thing though, so and I was in despair sometimes, you know. I remember going to the commissary a couple of times, and I, I was just like, you know, you know, it was terrible. And uh, then one day I got to page four, this is about Ow. four weeks later. Don't know. Uh, there was just a comment. I got to page four. Something happened. It clicked. All right. And the next, you period, knew what it was about. Yes. It just it. Well, not necessarily what it was about, but how to write it. Like I, it was a different. Did
0: you know, all right? Wait. Did you already know what it was about? Yes. So you because I was thinking that when you know what it's about, you know how to write it. But this was a different this kind of style writing. issue. Yeah. It was yeah. A yeah. Style yeah. issue.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, because it was an observational style. You know, different than presentational. And so, it took a different type of thing. There was a realism that had to be in there. But, ah, you know, you had to build the scenes differently, too. And one of my breakthroughs, here's here's was one of my breakthroughs. I was watching Real World at the time, Mm -hmm. right? And I would get to the act break. And Real World, they didn't have, like, like, when you're doing a TV show, and these act breaks, by the way, that they have on television shows, are made for television. There's no, like, writing rules that you need these type of act breaks, you know? Um, but they're made because you have commercials, right? So, so there'll be a cliffhanger at the act break, right? But it's kind of arbitrary when you watch a half-hour show on cable. You don't see those type of act breaks, because right? On Netflix, none of that shit's happening. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, very it's very arbitrary. It really, doesn't mean anything. So, but people think it's how to write that, but they're really arbitrary rules, right, right? Right. So a lot of it is artificial, right? Right. So I became aware of this artifice as I'm like I'm watching um, Real World, and I'm looking at their act breaks and there's none of that manipulation going on there's no like some plot being manipulated that there's right, a right because if you talk on.
0: to Phil he'll tell you what has to happen at act two you know what has to happen well,
1: before each well what I mean is that it would just stop and then it would pick up when you came back from a commercial there was right no which, you clip can't, thing. which
0: you cannot do in a sitcom
1: right, right. but I but, but I wanted to come back and so I said why do I want to come back and so I kept playing it back. And I'm like, what's going on here? Oh. Why does okay. this... Oh, exactly... in, in, in real world, why yes. do I want to come back? Yes. I'm okay. At, why is this interesting? Why do I want to come back? There's no cliffhanger here. Why do I want to keep watching this? And I kept playing it and kept watching that. And what'd you find out? And then I realized, oh, actually, it's the character's life that I'm interested in. I want to see more of that. So the emotional journey is something that I'm interested in, not this plot. And that was a breakthrough. And I realized... I can write a script that is the character's emotional journey, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily have to construct an artificial plot. Wow! And that was a breakthrough. That was a revelation mm-hmm. to me. And so, ingesting that took time. I, I made that discovery before. And I the said, other, excuse me for interrupting,
0: mm-hmm. but what I have found, Larry, is that all the time that I'm not writing, right. I am always writing. Yes, right? exactly. Because sure. because then when I sit down and yeah. I get it,
1: right. it comes out.
0: But yeah.
1: So. So one day I hit page four, and then the rest of it pours out on me in 36 hours. I just couldn't stop it. And that was the script that wanted me just pour it out on me, you know? And it was an amazing process. Because you have been writing it that whole time. And I got it. I finally got it, you know? The people were talking to each other. There was no manipulation of breaks. The action came out naturally. It was all these things that I knew was in there, but I didn't know how to express it. And it just... Just okay, so I, now I want to
0: go way back and I there want to figure go. out where this all started. That, that, that's, that's a great story. That's very... Um,
1: and then in in doing in producing the show, so going back to producing, uh-huh. I'll finish this point. So, <laughs> you can mention how terrifying that was to do that. Ken Kloppis reads it, immediately gets it. We have conversations. Our conversations about shooting that, we, we start watching French New Wave films together. We start talking wow. about... Yeah, we start talking about a... In a live style of editing that isn't a predictable style of editing, because I, I didn't. What, what does that mean? Well, here's what I mean. It's okay. kind of a term I came. Um Like, well, here's one thing. I remember telling the camera operator, we were having, the two people were talking, 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 talking. I said, stop, okay? We don't know that what they're going to say. You are going, you're anticipating ah. that they're speaking. I said, you have to lag behind a little bit. It has to be a surprise when someone adds something or whatever. And that has to be...
0: That's nice. It has to be
1: in the show. And he got that. And in the script I even wrote, there was one sequence where Bernie used to do the thing where he would talk to the camera, America, you know what I'm talking about. You know Bernie Mac, don't. When I say I want to kill those kids, you know what I mean, you know. And he would have this thing to the audience. And then he's talking to the audience. And then we hear the kid crying off screen. Just, Ugh. And then he leaves the frame. And then in the script I wrote, we hang on there. Empty. A little too long to where it's a bit uncomfortable. You know, and we hear him going off screen. And I wanted that moment to be uncomfortable on purpose, to shake up our rhythm of of what we think, of how we, because the audience knows how editing works. They've never edited but they know you're supposed to cut to something in a certain rhythm. Right. And when you don't, something's wrong. Right. So I was messing up that rhythm for I them. I love that. Audience knows these things. They, they, maybe they can't express it, but they know if someone leaves a scene, you're supposed to cut to where they went to. <laughs> right? Yeah. But if I don't, if I just stay there and we hear it, they're going, well, what's going on? And I'm saying, I didn't know he was gonna leave. This is, that means it's in the moment, it's spontaneous. That's, the feeling, that's, that. I, that's the feeling I want to create. Then, we cut to the hallway, but we get there too soon. And <laughs> you know? he's
2: not there yes, yet. Yes, he's
1: not there yet. Because I didn't know when he was going <laughs> to come. Oh, I love Then that. they come running through the hallway, and I get back to the, his room a hair before he does. So the timing's off just a bit.
0: That you know? is and so cool. And then he cool.
1: enters, and the sequence, the entire sequence when cut together, gives this Feeling that this is happening right now, and we did, and this is all accidental, and we're eavesdropping.
0: You know, I I, have to go back. As soon as you leave, I'm going back and watching one. But I wrote that that in the script on purpose. I wrote it on
1: purpose because I I knew that it had to be done like that, and that's part of the directing, part of the editing, but that's part of the conception of the show that it had to feel like that, you know. So there you go. And that's the show that I got fired from, by the way. And
0: why did that happen?
1: Because Fox never (laughs) understood the show. And we, I won um, Humanitas, a Peabody, an Emmy, yeah, Critics' Choice Award, the uh, um, Image Award. Almost every award you'd and you got fired. So there you go. Because that's what, how television works.
0: What, what, was the, what, was the, what was the thing? What they, they always thought their thing?
1: Somehow this show created itself and I was the one destroying it.
0: But they had to have a thing <laughs> that they fired you on. Like, was there a thing?
1: They thought like, I was incompetent and I didn't know what I was doing.
0: And you won all the, these awards. And right. the show was and a huge every time I success.
1: did, it, it would prove that they were wrong, and then they hated that. There you go.
0: Was there one particular person who had it out for you? or was it I'm, not, I'm not going to go there. No, but, oh, uh, yeah,
1: and, and, it was, yeah, He's not even a showbiz anymore. But it does. I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I got so much love after that. Um, Stephen Botchko just passed away. And I remember I was in New York at the time after it went down. Devastated, of course. And he came up to me, I never met him before, and he said, Larry, Stephen, about I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, he may have given me a like, hug. I don't remember. He said, I just want you to know, you did something brilliant. It was great. Don't worry about those motherfuckers or whatever. It was awesome. You know, wow. gave it this little peptide. You know, it was like, I mean, I'm done. You know, it was amazing. And I got wow. that from a lot of people. Phil, I remember talking to Phil at the time when, I was, when they were driving me crazy. And Phil would say, Quit. Just quit. I'm like, That's a good <laughs> film. Just quit. That was a really he goes. Good film. A show's not gonna last forever, anyway. <laughs> do the show that you want to do, yeah. and then when you can't do it anymore, <laughs> quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Phil. Yeah. And That's I say nothing. it's good advice, but I don't want to
2: quit
0: my show. Aww.
1: You know. said? So, but Phil was great. He was such a good friend back then. You know. He gave yeah. me a lot of good advice
0: so okay that's a max story that's, no, that's, no, that's no. a damn good story well except for the ending but but it ended up I want to movie. write a
1: book one day how to write the Emmy Award running pilot that you will eventually you be fired from <laughs> that's <laughs> the title <laughs> of the book see I have the title already
0: the title's <laughs> everything that's yeah. the jump off mm-hmm. did you see the title of my book I'm giving you this by the way oh that's nice it's um, don't jump sex drugs rock and my fucking mother I love my mother but that is the title of my book so yeah mm-hmm. but the that's titles are time. yeah that's awesome. um, so thank you um, so so Okay, you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. You grow up... Where?
1: In Pomona, California.
0: Okay, in, in Pomona, California. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. what's the first thing you know you want to be when you grow up?
1: First thing is an astronaut. Um, That's a very
0: common thing.
1: Well, it was during the space program. Yeah. The height of it. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't get enough of that stuff. Rockets, all that stuff. Um, were
0: you like one of those boys who were into... Were you into like car, little cars? All and, of that. Yeah, yeah, all that. All of that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... But, you know, I was a science nerd, too. Loved all that stuff. Um, Definitely wanted to be an astronaut. But I think I realized once I had horrible eyesight... (laughs) I think that would have disqualified (laughs) me. you for the space program? Yeah, I wanted to be a pilot, I think, back then, and those days, too. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing. How
0: old were you when you got glasses?
1: I got them later than when I should have. I don't mm-hmm. think I got glasses so I was maybe in fifth grade, but I, I used to squint you, at the, me, the Do you
0: remember, they used to line mm-hmm. us up, I don't this. know, you're a little younger than mm-hmm. I am, they used to line us up against the closets and one at a time in front of the whole room we had to do this in school, we had to mm-hmm. read the thing, yeah. And I was always terrified because yeah. I was a squinter too, yeah. so I would have to memorize it so that I wouldn't make a full out of so right. therefore I didn't get glasses, so yeah. therefore I couldn't see and I was oh. squinting, right? So I did that until about six or seven. Do you grade. wear contact insurance oh, or do oh, you get yeah, surgery? Wear, wear oh, okay, contacts, yeah. all
1: right, I was too scared to get the surgery. Yeah, I can't get the surgery,
0: right. but I have the kind of contacts that I can see near and far. They're That's multifocal, great. so Did I don't tell me about that. Yes, that. I will tell you about <laughs> it. Yes, thank so, you. Um, so anyway, yeah. So, so you had, so you got glasses, so you couldn't be an astronaut. Right. So now, so the
1: next thing I got into was magic. You know, so nice. and even today, I'm still into magic. I'm a member of the Magic Castle. So, sleight of hand magic is a hobby. My of My husband
0: is um, mm-hmm. a, a mentalist,
1: actually. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, interesting. And I was. Smitten by magic when I got into so
0: it. So, you sleight of hand, what's your thing?
1: Slide of hand. Okay. Right. Smitten Ooh. by. Can
0: you do something for us? I
1: don't know mm-hmm. if I can do it on Facebook Live. Okay. Oh, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I was smitten by it. Um, it became like a big hobby of mine. And at the same time. How I, old
0: are you when this is going on?
1: Maybe seven or eight. Oh, little. I was real small. Oh. Yeah. oh. And I was also into sports. I was always into a lot of different things. Were you and an I athlete? Was, I was really good. At yeah, so I would win, like, sport? MVP. That kind of, I did everything. Ran track, played football, basketball. Wow. Baseball. My dad played college football. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: I was going to ask you that. What did your father do for a living?
1: Uh, he was a probation officer when I was growing up. Okay. And then he went back to school and became a doctor. When I was, like, when I was in college, yeah. Yeah, that is great.
0: a very unusual it is, uh, yeah. sequence of right. events. But he
1: still has the attitude of a probation officer as a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: <laughs> you, my God. you do
1: not need aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how
0: about your mom? Was she? Um...
1: Uh, my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. in the beginning, but she uh, worked for the school district for a number of years, Pomona School District. My parents got divorced. She worked also at General Dynamics. It was a, a defense plant that mm-hmm. was at Pomona. So she did a lot of different types of jobs. Yeah. Okay,
0: so, so getting back to Larry. So, so now yeah. you're, you're so doing magic. So magic
1: and sports were two things that I was entranced with for a did long you, time. Did
0: you have the goal of being a professional um, no. athlete? Uh, yes,
1: definitely. because Which sport? They,
0: what, what was calling you? You know what?
1: Football All- was, the, was the thing when I was really young. Okay, did you ever get a
0: concussion? Did you? What, yeah. what, what, did you pl- what position did you play? Yeah,
1: but we banged each other a lot. Yeah. I played every position. Mm. Quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker. You, I think you, times were just different back then, you know. Um, you weren't
0: getting injured all the time?
1: Not really. I got more injured in basketball. I sprained oh. both ankles several times, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and How we tall are you? You're tall. 6'2", six 6'3". Six yeah. I'm tall for my skin tone, I like to say. <laughs> if, I was, uh, if I was dark, I'd be a lot shorter. Uh, kind of stretched out that makes no sense you guys think it's real because (laughs) basketball players are tall yeah we're tall yeah so um, high school I played more basketball Mm -hmm. Um, when I was younger than I played more football but actually I I stopped playing football because I didn't want to get injured but it was about my knee not about concussions nobody cared about concussions back then Mm -hmm. it was all about your knees so sports was a big part of my life but when I was in high school performing became a thing and I really got into theater was a big thing okay what
0: was the first Play that you were. Well, the in. first
1: performance type of thing was in the third grade where our all the classes had to do something. And our class, we had this woman, she was, I think she was an ex nun, and we did like the corniest type of thing. And I, the, all the other kids got to make fun of us. But it kind of made me feel like, hey, it's okay to be different on stage. You know, it's so interesting how that kind of worked in my w- favor. What did you do? What I don't remember you? now what okay. it was, but I remember it was just this real corny thing. You know? Okay. But I really liked doing things on stage were you
0: a funny kid were you I was very
1: funny you were very funny. yeah my brother and I were very funny did you
0: get in trouble in school all for being time. funny Yeah.
1: in fact I had one teacher who was quite an intervention mine in the seventh grade his name is mr. rubello he and his wife were from Peru I believe and I used to just make jokes all the time in class I was terrible at one point. And my friends and I, we had, you know, one did sound effects and I did impressions, you know, we did this stuff. And uh, he finally said, look, here's what we're going to do. He took me aside and he said, we're going to have joke time every day. He says, he says when, at, when kids come back from lunch, there's like 15 minutes where it's hard to get people's attention. Anymore. Right. He says, that's going to be your time, Larry. You get to go up uh, and have
2: joke time. For
1: that is him. brilliant. He says, but for the rest of the day, I don't want to hear a peep out of you. <laughs> I don't want to hear a sound. He says, but that 15 minutes, you go do whatever you that want. That is like genius. And I was like, done. <laughs> and, and, done. and did you open okay, Fantastic. Did so of honor? Yeah, it? are you kidding me? You, you had a code of honor back 15
0: minutes of that's stage time. Yes. Yeah, ama- that is so That is 15 minutes real, of stage time. So at that's lunch, a brilliant idea. At
1: lunchtime, me and my friends would get together and we would plan the show for. For the thing that we would do. So that's what I would do at lunch. So you and were
0: already producing.
1: I was already producing. You're right. You're absolutely right. And so we would always make fun of the nuns, of course. And I would I did most of the impressions in doing that. And, make fun, and Mr. Rebellion had an accent. Make fun of him. But um, it was my first... It was I, I'll never forget that. I've, I've talked about it many times where he really channeled something that could have been, you never know when kids are talking in class what that can lead to, you know, but he made it productive. It was very wow. cool. Wow. That, that yeah. is a genius idea. Yeah, really was.
0: Okay, so so then you get to high school and mm-hmm. you start to act? When, when does this start to yeah, happen?
1: Yeah, I, I started acting in plays, which I had done in grade school, but they're not really plays, you know, it's just yeah, different. Yeah. But I started thinking about what theater was once I got to high school. Mm-hmm. But I was in a lot of different things. I played sports. I was like, in the AV club, if you can believe it, I was in speech, which is a different type of thing. Right. And in and, and theater, they're all different types of, of areas and there's not a lot of crossover. I was the only person that kind of crossed over all of that, you know. So, and, But all of them were kind of areas of expression and that type of thing. So.
0: And so, how did it take hold that going to college you decided, okay, no, not sports, I'm going to do drama?
1: I was very lucky because I grew up in a neighborhood where some people from my neighborhood went and played pro ball, mm-hmm. you know. And I knew what it took to be a professional basketball There
0: are a lot of professional athletes that player. come out of Southern California. Yes. Yeah, because yes. you can, guys can play all year round. Exactly. And yes. that
1: time, we just had talented people in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So people weren't kidding around. And so I'm like, well, I'm not six <laughs> six, you know. And I'm not that fast, you know. So I saw... What, that I wasn't a certain thing and I was good actually I mm-hmm. was good in a lot of different sports but I right. knew I wasn't that right, and I right. thought well what are you going to do with your life Larry you can do that now but what are you going to do with your life and I decided when I went to college that well theater is the thing that that I'll go down that road you know and see where that takes me because I knew sports wasn't going to take me to where I wanted to go and I like playing sports but I knew having observed you know especially when it's kids your age and mm-hmm. you see the difference mm-hmm. I was like I'll never be that guy he's mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. you know
0: so, 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 okay. So, this is a question that we used to, that I used to ask mm-hmm. all the time. Did you have a plan B?
1: No, and I talked about this in my yeah. commencement speech. How many people have a
0: plan B?
1: I didn't even have plan A. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what I say is I had a path, you know, that mm-hmm. I was going down. There was a, a destination there. But um,
0: well, what, what was okay? So I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to school for drama. What, what did you see? What was, the, what was down the path? What, what did you see?
1: Well at that point I didn't have it quite worked out it was mm-hmm. while I was in college when I had my epiphany really. But at that point I just wanted to, to try that and see what happened. Okay so literally. tell
0: me about the epiphany.
1: Epiphany um, <laughs> is a very long story I don't know what we're talking about but I basically uh, realized I talked about this in the commencement address you were talking I, about I,
0: I listened to the commencement I so wrote, maybe it'll come back to me
1: yeah I wrote a short story not a short oh, story oh yes an essay I your essay that's cool
2: hmm? well, Chapman I Chapman oh, wow. but I
1: sold books door to door and by going into people, so many people's homes who I saw they weren't happy with their choices in life and this and that I realized that I may as well do what makes me happy mm-hmm. you know and just choose that And by doing that, it instantly makes me a success. And that always gave me calm in everything that I did because I already considered myself a success just by choosing the thing that I wanted to do. I need to learn that lesson. And so my career was not about trying to be successful. It was about walking down the path that I have already constructed for myself and realizing that there are different ways I can go down this path, but I'm still walking. You know, it doesn't matter. Always moving forward. Yeah, you know. Um, so I never could, success was never an issue with me. It was it was in my rear view, not in the windshield. So that's why I mean. Which is
0: I think why you had it because I'm always worried about well, I'm a single mom, so I have different sure. concerns. But for me money becomes a thing. I of I'm course. doing everything that I love. Right. I love my life. Right. I wish I could make a living out of sure. but but I but and it, because it's a different mentality. Mm-hmm. And I, I think understand. it's about letting go. Mm-hmm. And not worry. If, when you worry about the thing, that's the thing that eludes you. Mm-hmm. So by not worrying about it and by just being in your present, okay, this is, I'm doing what I love, mm-hmm. that's success. And that then invites everything else to come with it. Yeah, I tend
1: to simplify things. Like, to me, it's all about clarity, you know, and figuring out what it is that you want. And a lot of people don't do that. Like I said, a lot of people spend more time planning a two-week vacation than they do planning their lives. You know? wow. It's true. You know? And um, a lot of people don't have clarity over what they want. And I did this test with uh, my niece's nephew a few years ago, where I told them, I said, a lot of people, what they do is they confuse what they want with emotions. You know. And that's not true. You're, what you want is looked up to your actions. If you want to know what you want, look at your actions. Your actions will always tell you what you want. And if you think you want something that your actions don't support, you're actually only interested in that.
0: Let, let's, let's break this down to something tangible.
1: Okay, Maybe? wait, and I'll finish this. Okay. So, so clarity comes from not from making a distinction between what you want and what you don't want. Clarity comes from making a distinction between what you want and what you're only interested in because it feels the same. This requires longer conversations. So okay. have. All up. right. No, uh, this <laughs> is deep. I'm like, yeah, it's uh, okay. It's part of a philosophy that I've worked out. Right? Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. But can you, can you give me an example? Can you give us an example of, God, now I can't even paraphrase what you were saying about taking action as opposed to what you right. think you want.
1: Right. People don't realize that their actions are an example of what they currently want. They haven't... So
0: what we say is one thing, but it's actually what we're doing. It may line
1: up it may or may not but, okay. but it, it doesn't have to be in opposition or whatever but your actions just don't lie they don't you know they're true of expression
0: too, if, if somebody shows you who they yes, are believe them correct yes
1: not what they say it's, it's classic abuser language by the way abusers sh- use language to abuse you mm-hmm. you know to keep you not to abuse you but to keep you in a fantasy mm-hmm. of love and all those things but their actions tell you exactly who they are and they are abusers because the actions tell you what they want. They want to abuse you. That's what they want, and that's what their actions do. Mm-hmm. So the so the actions don't lie. You know, good luck getting away from that. So clarity comes from having an awareness of what you currently want. Because some people don't have that awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just acting out, right? So what were you like? Doing? In other words, they may not have even consciously chosen that. Is what I'm saying. Right. So they don't even have eyes on it. Right, right. Like some people just start acting and they haven't even because they made... just fall into it yes, because of circumstance. They never took the time to make that decision about what they want. Right. But it does represent what they want, you know? Because they're
0: doing it. Correct. Okay, I got. Right. It. Yes. I, I, I get it. Yes. Okay, I think I've got it. Right. So, okay, so you made. So when did you? What was your moment of clarity that you made this decision? And what was? What did Which that decision? decision look like? I'm going into show business. Oh, well, that moment
1: of clarity came during that summer. Okay. Where I said, I may as well do what brings me, what makes me happy.
0: So you know that the books doesn't make you happy, but had you done something? I knew, well,
1: I was always scared. Even though I was a theater major, I was very concerned about doing it for a living, and was I going to make money? It's all these things you're talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, that. And then when I had that experience of the summer, I thought, you know what, who cares about all that? Do what makes you happy. Choose that. And... That's do the show you want to do yes exactly and it gave me calmness and clarity and all that stuff because that's what I wanted to do and then my actions were doing that you know? okay so
0: let's talk about it where, where, where we're like I could sit we could talk for like right. seven hours okay. so let's, let's and by to the
1: way that. I want you guys to know the finale of the Americans is on the night look who I'm with I'm doing this. This this is how Thank much you. I'm See? sorry. But you know what I'm doing? I'm going home and watching that film. Actually, the alert, I've already seen it. Because so. <laughs> I had to do an interview with uh, Had to I wanted to do. An there you go. Yeah, it was great.
0: Um okay, so so because this is the road taken right. and the purpose of this is to try to give people to give us tools. Okay. How you navigated that path. So now sure. you've made a decision. Right. You're on your course. Okay. How do you get, what's the, what's the first success? What, what's the first thing?
1: Well, the thing is, is. How did you pursue it? Here's the thing. Like, I had this talk with my daughter once where I said, Lauren, one thing that I've always tried to look at are what I call indicators. Mm-hmm. And indicators to me are, is objective proof that you're on the right path, doing the right thing. Okay. Not a subjective feeling about it. Okay. Or, or an opinion. So
0: in other words, this is outside validation in Correct. some form. Okay. Right.
1: Like, for instance, in the very first thing I did, it was like a March 8 Improvisational Theater Project. Nice. I just, I uh, done it when I was still in college and did it. I got like great reviews in it. Like the best reviews. Nice. Know? And I'm just an amateur. I didn't know what I was doing. That's an indicator. Yes, it is. It's an indicator. It's like, okay, well, that's an indicator that maybe you're doing the right thing. So it, that can keep you going. You know, when I was doing stand-up comedy, um, after a year, I started, like, opening, and then middling, and headlining, those are all indicators. In the first year? Yes, I started. That's an indicator. People started booking me. That's an indicator. That's an know? indicator. Yes. I, now, just, I now, just but to know people' a that, story. I know people that didn't get booked. Okay. That's also an indicator. Okay. Well, uh-huh. I'm going to give you
0: that. So, right. Eddie Murphy was in a, um, an improv group in New York when he very first started. He was like 18 years old, 17 maybe, he was really the laughter right. company. Then he left to do Saturday Night Live, and mm-hmm. I was then in the left company. I did not get the indicator that I was good at that yeah. because they were all stand-up comics, and I—I I right. was an actress. I didn't know how to do that. Right. And um, well, anyway, there's always
1: indicators. It's just a matter of what it's indicating.
0: It was indicating get out of this, right. that right now.
1: <laughs> so yeah. or maybe so, do so something in,
0: else. Well, right. so then I took stand-up classes, and I ended up marrying my teacher, but that was later. But anyway, so okay, right. so so now you're doing stand-up. To to do that in in one year, to, to end up headlining. Did you end up headlining in the well,
1: year? it ended up well here, I'll tell you this quick story. So I remember when uh, I was first starting out, I was at the last stop in Newport Beach not there anymore, and I was signing up an open mic night. And I remember looking at the marquee and I said, You know, in two years I wanna have my name up there, you know. Two years later, I swear to you, I'm headlining the club. I love this. And I drive up and I have my own parking space, you know. And I get out of my car and my mm-hmm. mind is just thinking about my act and thinking about something. And Louise know. and
0: I have both
1: been in that world. And I, and I look back at the market and I go, oh, oh, I got my name with her. And I went, Oh, fuck. I thought of this two years ago. And I had forgotten that I even thought about that. Do you believe in creative
0: mm-hmm. visualization and all that stuff?
1: Yes, I have my own, you know, thoughts mm-hmm. about it and everything. But my whole... Life has been that. Of, do you believe that you manifested it? I call it putting it out there.
0: Okay, I call it manifesting, yes, but it's the same it, I thing. I call it
1: that too, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And, um, and it's very interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's why I think it's powerful. Because when you put it out there, as I like to say, what happens is it gets ingrained in terms of guiding you towards the proper actions to do what's needed to go there. You know?
0: Okay, let's talk about this because this right. is a tool. Sure, this is a really useful right. tool. Right. Okay. So, so how, what's so your for process instance, for that? Well, for instance,
1: like if you say, "I want to write for television." Okay? okay. Now, you also have to pay attention to indicators in this process. There's two things going on. Not. Any, I hate those indicators. I know, but <laughs> indicators are, are are our friend yeah. because they can they can help guide against um, wishful thinking, delusional <laughs> thinking. Up right. well,
0: to your weight, you have to look and see if there's an accident. You
1: don't. You find another yeah. no way. But it, but it helps us against delusional, delusional thing. Because, uh, delusional thing. Just because you. I have that in romance. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I can say I want to <laughs> be the quarterback of the Rams. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> I can put that out there all that I want. You yeah. know. So it does require some, you know, realistic, things. You know, based on your abilities and your aptitudes and all that stuff. So mm. you have to look at yourself and what gifts you have. Right. So if I put that out there and say, okay, this is what I want to do. And I've done this specifically in some things, but I'll just be general about it. Then what happens is I know that my actions are now have to go into that funnel that go towards that. And if they don't, I can easily judge it that it doesn't do that. So that then I don't need to do that. Yeah. So if there's, a, if there's something comes in my life that doesn't add to that, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. But if this comes and adds to that, oh, then that's fine. That's a thing that I can do. Does it give you that directing? Not necessarily, but does it lead to that? Yes, it does. Okay,
0: so what started it for you? What was your first success?
1: Was deciding to go into showbiz. That's okay, my only success.
0: You've had a lot of success. Well, my
1: I would say that, I'm very honest about this, that is my only career success, is that I decided to do this for a living. My personal success was my children, you know, John and Lauren. So those are the two successes in my life. And that's it you know what I've done in showbiz are merely the examples of my success you know?
0: I like that I like that okay so let's talk about the examples. and by of my the way success. the
1: failures are also the examples of my success mm-hmm. it's not just the high points the low points are also examples of my success because I stuck in there I Lessons learned, from learned. They, yes it's high points are not just a career it's low points too and I've had many of them mm-hmm. but people don't know about those you know Talk about those all the time, but I've mentioned the Bernie Mac thing. Right. But that's a part of my success. That failure is part of my success.
0: So, how did Living Color happen?
1: Uh, Living Color happened was when I was making a transition in, in my career where I was going from performer to writer, producer because I felt Hollywood was never going to find me. I had to create my own space. I was, so, you had been
0: a stand up comic.
1: I've been a stand up comic, did very well in clubs and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But I did like political humor, I did like Satirical jokes, I did. No, it's like I had a hodgepodge of things in my act, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, Deaf Comedy Jam was just starting, and a certain... I remember... A, <laughs> I think it was Robert Townsend in the Hollywood Shuffle, Urban Comedy, you know? Because <laughs> I was their co-worker, black, or whatever. But I just didn't fit what Hollywood was looking for, you know, the ghetto comic and all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, and so I just... I, saw, I remember seeing Jackie Gleason did some interview where he was talking about um, how you have to control certain things or whatever. And I remember looking at this and saying, you know, I just need to carve out a path for myself if I want to have a career. Otherwise, I'll be at the mercy of people, who, you know, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was inspired by other people who were doing it. And so I decided I wanted to write for TV. So I got a job on... Late Night with Rick Dees. <laughs> was wow. A show, yeah. Did you work on that show, Louise? No, I wrote,
0: oh. I wrote his syndicated countdown radio. Yeah. That's <laughs> so I was Louise,
1: around. we're crossing over. All over the yeah. place. Um, and that lasted for six months. And when I was there, there was an opening at a Lemon Color. And I had met somebody at 20th at that time. I didn't have an agent. Um... And she recommended me to go in there, and I I hadn't met Keenan at, at at that time. But when I met him, we really hit it off. We really told war stories about our stand up years, and I really made him laugh. And of course, I had written some sketches that he liked too, some um, practice sketches or whatever you want to call it, audition sketches. Did you study ri- Did
0: you study writing,
1: or did you just start writing? I studied playwriting in college. Okay. You know, so I had, uh, but you know, in college I studied Chekhov and you know Shaw, and, mm-hmm. you know, and all that stuff. So. You know, there was a formal writing that goes in, but but comedy writing I learned doing Mm stand-up, you know, and that's just being in clubs and making strangers laugh. Mm -hmm. So, I was not afraid of going on a sketch show and getting laughs and being funny, but learning how to write a sketch, I had learned on the show itself, Uh you know. I mean, even though I wrote sketches to audition for it, you really don't know it until you do it, but I learned a lot of how to do it after I got the job. So I would, I would get the job and have the job be paid training for me. Nice. Yeah. That was one of my early sneaky philosophies.
0: That's good work if you can get it.
1: Well, yeah. If it, if it can work out that way, it's good. But you have to be... Okay, were
0: you ever in a situation where you got hired to do something that you struggled to do? Like it was really hard for you to do?
1: Well, I found out it's always hard, but I have tools that always help me. Because I was in comedy, mm-hmm. and I was naturally funny, mm-hmm. I could always get laughs, and I knew how to write characters, you know. My background was theater, so I knew how to perform, but I also knew about characters, and, you know, and even studying acting, I know about conflict, and these things, you know, and what makes a good scene, and all that stuff, so, I already knew those from just being a theater major, and from studying all that, so. I'm saying so that So the one formality I- of writing a sketch... Wasn't the same but i've always was intimidated at all the steps you're absolutely right but i just tried not to think about it
0: i was just going to say i think the secret to your success is confidence um I really... well i just
1: ignore the panic because <laughs> i do panic about it but after a while i go i don't have time for the panic like i really mean it the fear of not getting it done takes the panic away but big, you have to know i have the panic all the time i still have it i still feel like i'm going to get found out and it's not going to be any good Someone's gonna say, mm, "How did you get this far?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I still, but, I feel that every single time. But intrinsically, you
0: know that you have the goods. You Doesn't know matter. you're
1: funny. You know Doesn't matter. That feeling is always there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't so matter. So you're
0: human. That just means you're human. Yeah,
1: and it means something's at stake, you know, which is good. If I ever was confident, or was like, "Oh, this is good. I'm done. I'm just done," because I think I lose my perspective on. You know, on what it is that I'm doing, I have to have. That's the high wire act, you know, that I have to have is knowing that this could all fall apart. And you, with dear life, you have to keep it together, you know, and you know, and cherish that thing. And so, it, okay,
0: so you, know. so you cherish So, black on the air. Are you are you loving what you're doing? Loving. It's, it, it's this it's is fantastic, fantastic right? It's fantastic, it's
1: right? And it's fantastic. We could never talk this long on something for any other thing than this type of thing. Wait, it,
0: exactly, and, right. and what's what I love. We we were talking before we we came on the air that what I love about Larry is that he has a conversation, and I have so thank you. I have so much trouble with people. I, po- there are plenty of podcasts too. It's mm-hmm. not it's not. It doesn't right. just happen on TV or whatever yes. that people just have their questions. They're mm-hmm. not listening. They're on automatic pilot. Right, and it's. Um, I watched one that you did as a matter of fact I'm not going to talk about it but, but the, the, mm. no it wasn't because of you the yeah. interviewer just had a so series refreshing. of questions and um, it, it just so I love the fact that you just talk mm-hmm. and have a conversation so looking ahead mm-hmm. um, is there something you're passionate about that, that is kind of cooking?s is, is there something that you haven't done yet that you'd mm-hmm. love to do or are you happy right where you are right now
1: Um, Well, I'm always happy where I am, but there's always things that come up. I have a project that I'm cooking right now that I think is my next thing, so I'm very excited about that.
0: Well, I will be looking forward to finding out what it is and seeing it come to life.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting, so we'll see.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. Thank scenario. you. That was every, so much fun. i
1: loved every second of this. I Louise, feel like I gap
0: so much. No, here. it was fantastic. No. Louise, thank you. Um thank you. Everybody out there, um, we'll see you next week with Kathleen Perkins from Episodes. Yay!
2: Don't jump.
0: Thank you.